Well, good morning, and he is risen. Uh, you know, as I age, I realize at different seasons in my life, Easter, I have approached Easter differently. I'm sure um, for Tyler and Ashley, Easter is probably a little different right now with a little one at home. Uh, as a kid, you get excited about the candy, you get excited about all those traditions, and um, some you go through some phases that you get excited about the family traditions, you get excited about uh, the meals and the gatherings, and um, you know, as I've, over the years, um, you know, pastors have a unique opportunity and challenge on Christmas and Easter to take the, two of the basic messages of the Christian faith and present it once again. And the reality is, is the message of resurrection is at the heart of who we are as Christ followers. Uh, the Lord's Day, Sunday, celebrating, instead of celebrating on the Sabbath, but celebrating on Sunday, is the reason of that change was to remember weekly the Lord's resurrection. It's at the heart of, of what we do and what we experience in the Christian life. You know, there, there's so many different aspects of, of the resurrection that are significant for the Christian that as, I, as I've gone throughout life, I've realized just to a greater degree of, of just the significance, not only of knowing that the resurrection shows that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, and everything Jesus, but it also shows us that everything Jesus accomplished on the cross for us and taking our sin upon himself and dying on the cross for our sin his resurrection confirms and, and proves that what Jesus did on the cross was effective for each one of us. But you know, at the heart of the Easter message is also a reminder that the grave is not the end and, and that death is defeated. And, and this morning, we're going we're gonna to focus on that theme. And I, as the last week, I've had a lot of memories coming back of, of a good friend from my previous church. Uh, he was a custodian. He's most recently was a custodian at the McKees Fort Alliance Church, and you as a church family were praying for him. Uh, but a few weeks ago, uh, Bill Bradley uh, passed from COVID. And as I was thinking about, as a pastor, you know, we're invited as pastors into the lives of people's, people in their best and worst moments. We're there for the celebrations, the graduations, the celebrations of life, but we're also there in those dark moments where we say goodbye to people that we love. And, and you know, I, as I was thinking about over the years of the people that I connected to in ministry, as well as family who went on to be with the Lord, the more I experienced the loss and, and the loss of people, and, and again, many of you have experienced more loss than I have. But when we experience loss as Christians and, and know that the people that we lose, that, that, that die, if they had their faith and trust in Christ, that we have the hope of resurrection. It, it changes the way we approach life and death. And, and today we're going to be looking, you, we, we reflected on John 20 uh, earlier and reading that text, which is my favorite of the resurrection texts of uh, the disciples going and finding the tomb empty and Jesus appearing to Mary and then giving Mary the instructions to go out and declare that she has seen the Lord. Jesus and his resurrection is, is at the heart of what the Christian life is about because it's not just that Jesus died for us, but that Jesus, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is available to us to come in to fill us. Jesus himself comes in, the resurrected Christ, to live in us and through us.
and we can experience a new life in him. But it also reminds us that this life is not the end. And, and you know, in the gospel, John's gospel, if we go back a few chapters from John 20, what we read earlier, to John 11, there's an account of Jesus performing, I believe, one of his greatest miracles in raising Lazarus from the dead. Four days after his death, calling Lazarus out of the tomb. And so we're going to read this text today because it's, it's in this story that Jesus makes a statement about himself. Before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he makes a statement about himself that really reminds us the significance of not only Jesus' resurrection, but the significance of resurrection for the believer. And I, I want to encourage you, we're going to read, there's a lot of slides. I warned the PowerPoint guys today to say, don't freak out when you see how many slides we have because we're reading through most of John 11. Um, I timed it just to make sure that we were going to be okay. Um, but, you know, we're going to read the story and then we're going to reflect on what it was like for Mary and Martha and then do some takeaway of some things that we can look at in our own life and, re and remind ourselves about the significance of resurrection for, for our own lives. But let's go ahead and look at John 11 verses 1 and following. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now pause for a second. Think about this. Does that make sense? If Steve, you call me and say, hey, Amanda's sick, can you come over? Can you come soon? Like, I'll see you in a couple days. It's like, like there, there's a disconnect here. I mean, and, but, and yet it reminds us that there's something deeper going on here. Because Jesus is described, Mary and Martha describe Jesus' relationship with them as friends. But we also see Jesus has a, an attachment to these three as well. There is a genuine friendship here. And he hears of Lazarus' sickness and he delays. He waits two days instead of going immediately. But he, he gives us a clue a little bit here, and, and these are the two themes that I want to encourage you to follow along as we keep reading. There's the theme that Jesus is about to show and demonstrate something that's going to give God glory. That this sickness will not lead in death for Lazarus. The reality is he does die, but it, the story doesn't end there. You see the focus on God's glory, but the most important and central theme throughout this is that through what Jesus does in this account, he calls people to believe. He calls people to put their faith and trust in him as the resurrection and the life. Let's keep reading in verse 7. It says, And after this he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, 
but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen, he will recover. Or if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, that you may believe. But let us go to him. So again, we see this theme of belief. He's building. Jesus, Jesus understands what's happening here. He understands what the end of the story is going to be. And, and so he's waited. This delay was intentional. Uh, and, and we see the glory of God, and we see the power of Jesus demonstrated in this story and what's to come. But the disciples are they're trying to figure things out, and they're, they're wondering about, why are we going back? If he's already passed, why are we going when the last time you were in this area, the people were ready to stone you? And so you lo- I love Thomas's reaction, and I always hear verse 16 and Thomas's words in the voice of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Remember Eeyore? Lots of energy. So Thomas called the twin and said to his fellow disciples, again, thinking, we're going to go where they want to stone you. He says, let us also go that we may die with him. You see this resignation. They're like, okay, why are we going back? We're going back to a place where our lives will be in jeopardy, and it's already too late. We already missed the window. But again, there's a bigger story going on. And so we look in verse 17. Jesus and his disciples arrive, and his first encounter is with Martha. In verse 17, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha is making a profession of faith here. And if you read throughout the Gospels, you know there are some of the religious leaders that believe that there is a future resurrection for all believers. But some of the the, the Pharisees, there's disputes at, at occasions where Jesus, they try to drag Jesus into this dispute about the resurrection. And then there's a group, the Sadducees and others, that, that don't believe in a future resurrection. Martha's stating she believes in a resurrection. So she thinks Jesus is referring to that future resurrection that will happen at the end of time. And Jesus is making a statement that I think has a double meaning, double layer. Not only that Lazarus will rise again in that last day, but that Lazarus in a few moments would rise again. And this leads us to verse 25. And this is really the meat of this whole chapter. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And I love the fact that Jesus then looks at, he looks at Martha, and I think in the same way that he looked at Martha, he's looking at you and me today and says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. We'll come back to those verses at the end here, but let's keep reading in verse 28. We now see the transition 
moving from Martha to Mary. In verse 28, it says, when, when she had said this, Martha had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she had heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise, rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same, same statement of Martha earlier. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could, he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? You know, this scene, this is again, going to that pastor experience, it's not unique to just pastors. If you've ever had the experience of walking into the room with a family who's saying, preparing to say goodbye to a loved one, or who has just recently lost, experienced loss, whether a death or some other form of loss in their life, have you had those moments where the grief is tangible in the room? There's a heaviness, there's a sadness. And, and, and you see in this account that Jesus is, is impacted personally, but he's also sensitive to what's happening in this moment. He sees the pain in Mary and Martha's eyes. He sees the pain in the people that have gathered to be an encouragement and support to Mary and Martha. And Jesus weeps. There's, it's one of the, I mean, there's a lot of signs throughout the scriptures that show Jesus' humanity. He ate. He drank. He laughed. He cried. This idea of Jesus being impacted in this, in the, in, even though he knows this, the rest of the story, even though he knows Lazarus will rise again in a few moments, Jesus still weeps. And we'll, we'll unpack that in a moment. But I, let's keep reading. We, we see this account. Again, you see some people see, they see how much Jesus loved him or must, must have loved Lazarus. But then some people were raising the same questions and saying, well, look, couldn't he who have opened up the eyes of the blind man to have saved this man from dying? So you have that faith, that question of the belief of, of Jesus, if you'd have just been here, if you healed others, why, why haven't you healed Lazarus? Verse 38 says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Again, glory of God, belief brought together in that verse, the key themes. If you'd only believe, you'll see the glory of God. Verse 41, it says, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. 
his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed him. You know, I've heard many commentators say over the years that had Jesus not added the word Lazarus, that others maybe would have come out of the tomb. Jesus is, is showing who he is in this moment. And imagine, imagine witnessing this. They, they're well past the funeral. They, they were well past saying their goodbyes. They have been mourning for four days, and now their brother who is dead has been called by Jesus out of the tomb and is alive. But think for a moment. Look at the full story and try to put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes. To go from the waiting and Jesus doesn't come and Jesus doesn't come and, and you're wondering and the question is why isn't Jesus coming? And then Lazarus dies and you have those, those days of, of just wondering, Jesus, why didn't he come? You have the grief, the doubts, the questions. We're going to watch a brief video and this is kind of a modern reflection of Mary and Martha reflecting upon the impact of this story in their lives and what Jesus did in raising their brother from the dead. He didn't want dinner. And then he went to bed early, which isn't like him. He's the night owl. Lazarus is the night owl. Something wasn't right. Sent for the only one who could help. He could fix it. He'd help total strangers, of course. More importantly, he was our friend. I promised Lazarus. Jesus would come. He would heal him. I was sure of it. You know, you can see it sometimes in a person's eyes that that look. And they're letting go of this world just a little bit at a time. Those four days might as well have been four lifetimes. Everything I knew about Jesus fell apart. Not that, not that he wasn't the Messiah, it wasn't that. It was more personal. There was all this pain all this doubt. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Our brother was dead, sealed in a tomb. And I said to him, if you had just been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But he said, didn't I tell you? If you would just believe you would see God's glory. I knew I was supposed to embrace those four days. That gap in my life, that gap in our lives, where God made no sense at all. It was as if God wasn't even listening. But without those four days, Before I believed in him, 
No, I believe him. We didn't understand that. But we do now. He doesn't just give life. He is life. Yes. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God who comes into this world and whoever believes in him will live. <laughs> connect with Mary and Martha? Have you had those moments of Jesus? Have you only been there? Or as reflected in the Psalms, God, where, is you, where are you? And those moments where it's like your faith and your confidence in God is, is shaky, and you're, and you're wondering what's going on, and I mean, the, the, in the video you see, the, you hear the words, you said, everything I knew about Jesus had fallen apart. And there was this gap in my life where God made no sense at all. It was as if God was not even listening. Maybe you've gone through a season like that. Maybe it, whether it's the death of a loved one or, or the loss of a relationship or, or some personal sickness or some personal tragedy that you've gone through this season of saying, Jesus, where are you? Mary and Martha understood that. They had all the faith questions of, of Jesus, had you only been here? They knew Jesus could have done something. They had seen Jesus heal perfect strangers. Surely they would come, he would come and heal his friend. But you see this transition in the video so beautifully. They're telling the story now after the witnessing, the actual resurrection of Lazarus. And, and you hear the reaffirmation to say, in the understanding that while their faith was shaken, while they experienced this tragedy, this was an opportunity to remind them that Jesus doesn't just offer life. He is life. Jesus doesn't just offer resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. But you know, as Christians, I think it's so important that we understand those seasons. I appreciate the word that I don't, I forget which one was Mary and Martha, but one of them said, you know, that she, she needed to embrace those four days. And, and there's something significant about that. When you go through those dark valleys, when you go through those seasons of sickness, of loss, whatever it might be, those are opportunities to embrace that experience and, and, and to have those questions, express those questions, and, and to see how God is going to reveal himself through the pain. But you know, that it also brings us to this place of, of understanding that Jesus is stepping into this, even knowing what he is about to do. He is sensitive to the pain. He's sensitive to grief. He's sensitive to what's going on in this moment. And, and he's personally touched by it. And, and we have those words, short, I believe shortest verse, verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Think about that. Jesus knows, he knew from the beginning with the delay and everything else and that, that this was going to end in God's glory. Jesus knows what's about to happen and yet he understands pain. He understands the loss. He understands the grief. He's grieving himself, but he's also feeling that tangible presence of sadness and grief in this moment. 
and he weeps. You know, sometimes in my, in my life in, in talking with believers, I've had times where I've been ministering to families and, and that sometimes I, I've seen believers that want to skip grieving and rush to the fact, well, we don't need to be sad. We're going to see our friends again. I'm like, well, no. If I love this person, there's a sadness. Even with the hope that I'm going to see them again, there's a sadness because we're saying goodbye. There's, there's a loss. And, and the scriptures reaffirm this truth, that while we, we do grieve, believers do grieve, we experience loss, we experience grief, but we don't grieve as those without hope. Back in 1993, there was a film called Shadowlands that was based on C.S. Lewis's life and his, specifically his relationship with Joy Davidmans, or Davidmans who was a um, writer uh, in, in an American writer, and they developed a relationship late in life and were married. C.S. Lewis, you know, the author of uh, many, many books, Mere Christianity, as well as The Chronicles of Narnia. This story tells uh, their relationship developing late in life and their, their marriage, and later, um, Joy develops cancer. And, and they know that it's terminal, but she is, there's a scene in the story where she's in remission, and, and this movie was based a lot on C.S. Lewis's writing. Um, and, and so it's, you have this scene that's reflected in the movie that ref is really connected directly to some of Lewis's own statements about his processing Joy's death. But this scene, they're out in this beautiful day, much like what we're experiencing today. They're out on this country road. And, and they have this, they're having this special moment out in this field and, and there's this exchange between Joy and Jack, is what she called him, what many of his friends called him. Joy says, it's not going to last, Jack. Jack responded, we shouldn't think about that now. Let's not spoil the time we have together. Joy responded, said, it doesn't spoil it. It makes it real. Let me just say it before this rain stops. Yeah, it went from a beautiful day to rain. They were in a shelter, the scene. Let me just say it before this rain stops, and then we'll go back. Jack says, what is there to say? Joy says, that I'm going to die, and I want to talk to you about it now. Jack said, I'll manage somehow. Don't worry about me. Joy's response, she said, no, I, I think it can be better than just managing. What I'm trying to say is that the pain then is part of the happiness now. The pain then is part of the happiness now. That's the deal. Those words that reflected in the film come right from C.S. Lewis's own writings in A Grief Observed, where he's writing about this experience. He said, this pain I feel now in the grieving, this pain I feel now is the happiness I had before. That's the deal. That's why even as Christians, knowing that we have the hope of resurrection, that as I shared with my friend Bill who passed a few weeks ago and having all these special memories flooding back of Easter spent together, I know there's a day I'm going to see Bill again. But that didn't mean that I didn't shed tears the days prior to Bill's passing and the days after Bill's passing and struggling with the fact that I couldn't get back to McKeesport to be at the funeral. We're impacted by the loss of people we love. 
There's real pain. There's real grief. And, and in Lewis's words and what's reflected in that film is the pain that we experience in losing someone is significant because of it connects to the joy that we have in life when they are alive. To where if we didn't, if we didn't have any sadness and grief, it would really question what type of relationship did we really have with that person. We don't need to rush grief. Jesus demonstrates in his own weeping and, and in this story that grieving is significant and it's important. But as Christians, we don't have to grieve as without those without hope. And that's where the Apostle Paul's words come in. First Thessalonians 4, 13. Paul writes, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We do not grieve as those without hope, but we do grieve. When we lose someone, there's a loss. There's a significant impact. When we go through challenges and struggles in our life where we experience other forms of loss, it's genuine. But we don't have to grieve as those without hope because we know that our future is secure in Christ, the one who proved with his own resurrection that the grave is not the end. I want to go back and look at Jesus' words in verses 23 through 27, what I said were the meat of the, this passage, and, and bring us to the final few points that I think this reminds us of, this account reminds us for those of us on Resurrection Sunday as Christ followers and what we need to celebrate, what we need to remember. Verse 23, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Again, as I said earlier, Jesus looks at Martha. He's asking that question. I think he's looking at us today. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus makes this promise in these, in these words in saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And let's look at each of those. There's three things that I want to look at. One, Jesus says, I am the resurrection, the resurrection. That promise is, this is a promise of future resurrection. And, and these are things that Jesus has already said in the Gospel of John. If we go back to John 6, verses 39 through 40, Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus has already been teaching his disciples, saying, look, if you believe in me, you have the hope of resurrection. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15, specifically 54 through 57, but that entire chapter, Paul is making the argument of the significance of Jesus' resurrection and that in Jesus' resurrection, we have the hope of our own resurrection. Verse 54 says, when the perishable puts on imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the hope of resurrection. 
Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, we read verse 13, but he also gives these words. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those fallen asleep. On this resurrection Sunday, we need to remember that as Christ followers, of those, those of you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus and, and put your confidence in him, you believe, we have the hope of resurrection. And, and, and to unpack that, we know this. We know that if we die before Jesus returns, if we die before Jesus returns, the scripture is clear that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That we'll, we'll transfer from this life to the next. We'll be in God's presence. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We also know through God's word that, that we have the hope of resurrection. That it, but if, if we die before Jesus returns, not only will we immediately be in the presence of Christ, but we have the hope of a bodily, physical resurrection. But we also know, based on the First Thessalonians 4 passage we read, that if, if we're still living when Jesus returns, and imagine this day, we sung about it this morning, with how great thou art. If we're living when he returns, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we will meet the Lord in the air. That's something to celebrate. We don't have to fear death. Death has been defeated. Jesus is the resurrection but he is also, he says, I am the resurrection, I am also the life. Earlier in the Gospel of John, in John 3.36, he says this, he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, now look at that first phrase, whoever believes has life. That's present tense. It's not saying that whoever believes in me will have life. It's whoever believes in me has life. There, there's a present, expecta- or a present experience in this, that when we connect with Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in him, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, comes to live in us. And that's why we can sing the songs, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That he, I serve a risen Savior. Because he's alive and he's working in us. We're in relationship with him. The living Christ is not only, as Pastor Steve mentioned this morning, not only at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, the risen Christ is living in the life of the believer. You ask me how I know he lives? As he lives within my heart. Jesus offers us life. Jesus offers us full and abundant life. Jesus actually said in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In the same way that Jesus was in relationship with his heavenly Father, that picture of the Trinity, we're invited to enter into relationship with him to where we experience this life. And so when we walk as Christians, putting our faith and trust in Christ, and we experience the resurrection resurrection life in us, we're experiencing the full and abundant life. It's that life, the life of Christ, that leads us into eternity. It leads us to that place where we would celebrate the res- our future resurrection. 
You know, there's another phrase here. Jesus doesn't just say, and the video highlights this, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't offer resurrection. Jesus doesn't offer life. What does he say? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That phrase, I am, carries all sorts of significance throughout the scripture. I am is at the heart of the word Yahweh, Jehovah. It's, it, it's Jesus is, I believe, in that moment, even stating these statements when he says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. He's, he's taking us back to Moses in those days where tell him, I am sent you. Jesus is in those words claiming his divinity, but, it, but he's very clearly in, these, in this also making very clear that he's not just offering something, he's offering himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The reality is, is for us to experience the full and abundant life and for us to have the hope of resurrection, we need to understand that that can only be found in Jesus, in the personal relationship with him. Literally, the, the phrase here is reminding us of that confidence. Sorry, I got a little mixed up on my notes. That this, this is an invitation to put your faith and trust in Christ, and, and that leads us to verse 15, and, and, or his earlier statement, and saying that whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. That, that intentional call to believe, that consistent theme throughout this whole scripture, that call to believe is putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Putting our trust in who he is and what he has done for us and, and celebrating the fact that he is our resurrection and life. This is the consistent theme throughout this, and this is going back to verse 15. He says, at the beginning of the story, he says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, telling his disciples when they find out that Lazarus is already dead and they are delayed. He says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe let us go to him. Jesus throughout this entire account is, is calling people to believe. And, and following the account, we didn't keep reading, but if you keep reading, the, the religious leaders that are growing more and more concerned about this man, Jesus, they don't know what to do. Because they actually say at this point that so many people are coming to faith and putting their faith and believing in Jesus. They say, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And, and so you see the religious leaders trying to squash Jesus. And now they're concerned that they kind of get rid of Lazarus too because he's a walking testimony to Jesus' power and, and who he is. All of this, the whole story reminds us of the call to believe. And, and belief is not just head knowledge. Belief, scripturally, is an issue of trust. It's an issue of putting our confidence in someone or in something. It's, it's, and, and this is where in this verse, that in saying this, that idea of believe in me, literally the, the preposition that's used there is believe into me. It's kind of a weird, in the Greek, it's kind of worded, worded weird. But it's emphasizing this idea of being, entering into a relationship with Jesus. It's putting our faith and our confidence in him. We're trusting him. We're believing. We're, we're putting our whole life and identity in him. And what the Apostle Paul later talks in all of his writing about being in Christ. It's Christ in us and us in Christ. Jesus becomes the center of our life and our existence. 
Jesus today as we hear this story, as we celebrate not only Jesus' resurrection, as we look at this account with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, let's remember Jesus' words in saying that I am the resurrection and the life. And, and, and that penetrating question Jesus answers that, or states at the end of those verses, he says, do you believe this? It's my hope that each of you have come to a place in your life that, 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 you've, that you've not only understand Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, but that you've made the choice to personally believe and put your confidence in your faith in him. If you're here today and, and you're not sure about what that means, if you're in the sanctuary, don't leave today without talking to me or Pastor Steve or one of the leaders. If you're online, use our contacts, shoot us an email. We want to talk to you about what it means to truly put your faith and confidence in him. But I want to end today, before the worship team comes to lead us, just a reminder that wherever we are today, on this Resurrection Sunday, let us celebrate and let us reaffirm our belief and our confidence, our trust, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In him, we can find the fullness of life and we have the hope of eternity to know that the grave is not the end. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you accomplished on the cross for us. But Lord, we also thank you that, Lord, that in your resurrection, we know that everything you accomplished on the cross and dying for our sin was not in vain. And that when we put our faith and trust in you, our, we're, no, we're no longer remaining in our sin. We, and, and we enter into a relationship where we experience your forgiveness. We experience your grace. And you come to live in us, your life in us and through us. Lord, I just pray that today that we would truly renew our faith and trust in you. Lord, while today's message and, and thinking about loss and, and grief and death it can be painful. It can be, it can be challenging. Lord, may we not lose sight of the good news, bad news in this story. We do grieve when we lose, when we go through trials and, and suffering, when we lose someone we love, we do grieve. But we know that we're going to see our loved ones again because in Jesus, death is defeated. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.